Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm always sharing with you observations of people that really awe strike me sometimes. And this lady kind of has struck me both from a cognitive perspective, but are also in my heart. And what I love about her is she has such a gift of speaking and writing and the use of words and language. But I think her best skill is listening. And I've really observed that about her. So let me introduce you to Amy. And Amy, I am going to do my best to say your last name. So when you come on with me, you can scold me if I have not pronunciated it properly. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen to what I'd like to teach you about the wonderful Amy Blaschka. Well done. (laughs) Amy has written and published thousands. Yes, I'll say it again thousands of articles on LinkedIn, Thrive Global, Medium, and Forbes. I shared with her before we hit the record button that there's two newsletters that I look forward to every Sunday morning with my coffee, and it's hers and Maria Shriver's. I love the reflection. I feel when I'm reading it that Amy's sitting across from me having a cup of coffee and we're two girlfriends chatting. It's a declaration of reflection on a Sunday. And it puts me in good company of two women who give me a mindset for the week. Amy's writing, she alludes, is not about writing. It's about her listening. It is the central repository for her creativity, which I can say it definitely is. And I could go on and on and tell you so much more about this wonderful human, but I'm going to welcome her to the show. And let's hear about Amy from Amy. So Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Deb. And thank you for that kind introduction. You definitely did your homework and read up on me. Well, I've been, I've been following you and I, I love the softness of when you first landed in my inbox. And I just want to virtually high five you because you weren't spewing all over me. And it was like, Hey, I write here, click here. You can have my newsletter. I talk about this here. And I like that you're not giving me five tips to super creativity and greatness in my life every Sunday, you're just sharing. I am. I'm, I'm trying to have a conversation. When you have a conversation, it's it's one to one, right? I'm not sitting there thinking I'm I'm talking to these millions, and that's not the case. It's always communication always begins one to one, and I think people forget that or they overcomplicate it in so many instances where it's really it just basically it just comes down to human beings. We're imperfect, imperfectly perfect people, right? Hey, they work that in. And, um, and, and as such, it's, it's just about being real. No, I mean, you know, some, you may be somebody who likes to, you know, scroll through Instagram and see all the highly curated, beautiful people. That's not reality. And and we all know that. Yes. Um, So, 
my newsletter, I, I share a lot. You, you see, it's very much, I share my world. I share, you know, my, my, my problems, my challenges. Um, but I always try to have some sort of real world takeaway in there. So it's not just that I'm rambling, which maybe I am in some instances, but it is like when you're having a conversation, you're having coffee with somebody, you're having a conversation about something and it's something that will strike me, something that I've heard, it, everything I write about is truly taken from my day-to-day life. And that authenticity and your own ability to laugh at yourself and just some of the phrases, like I have literally laughed out loud reading it because it's like, I love this. I, I love the <laughs> I love the relatability. So so let me ask you my first leadership question. You have alluded on your about page on your website, which I absolutely love, that your career has been anything but linear. Share with the listeners kind of the why you go after things that are interesting that you see, and we share in the value that it's always fun to explore new opportunities. We may not know the outcome, but let's jump in and see. So where did that come from? I think the curiosity is linked back to creativity for me. I am a highly curious person and um, I'm always, I always want to get like, understand better why, particularly with human beings, but why people act the way they do, why people feel the way they do, what motivates them, what those types of things. And when it comes to learning, I think curiosity is your greatest asset because when you're curious, you're open. It's not about, you know, a black or white, I have to do this, I have to check out the box. Because no matter what, you jump into a new job, a new role, something you learn, it, it can be scary. But if you flip that on its head, that's also exciting. And you'll always learn something. You'll either learn in a professional sense, wow, I, I love this and I want to do more of this and I want to pursue this further. Or you'll learn, oh boy, that's not what I thought it was at all. But both of those are very important and equally telling because they can inform sort of your next choice. And if, you know, you go through the world assuming something or just staying on the same path, you'll never know what else the opportunities that are available to you. So for me with a, with having a nonlinear career path, and I used to think, oh my gosh, I'm that person, that, that awful person that just can't, you know, I'm not focused or this. And I, I come from a, a family of people who are, you know, it's like, you do this, then you do this, then you do this, you know, and this is how you progress. And not that I didn't do that, but I think, you know, I've come back on the full circle to being, you know, what I call creative, Amy. I, I studied film in school, went back and forth between being a film major and wanting to be a filmmaker uh, to tell a story um, and uh, communications and and really more the creative writing aspect. And um, when I left school, Shockingly, it was tough to get a job as a filmmaker right out of college. So it's like, well, what's sort of creative adjacent? What can I do? So I ended up in what I call agency land, like advertising, marketing, PR, a little of everything. But it gave me a chance to sort of taste test things and sort of, oh, okay. But what happened was because I, I love people, I truly do, and I love the creative environment. I ended up not becoming the copywriter. I ended up on the account side and dealing with people, but. The thing that that taught me was I have a gift for being in the middle, a liaison and dealing with many different types of people, different levels of people. I tend to, I do this thing with people, whether, you know, we, we can be a, a group of folks that, you know, some are young, some are old, 
like we're all about the same age. I, I, I naturally, I think, try to find that common thread and relatability and trying to pull that in because communication and, and dealing with people, it's about finding some common ground. It's about finding the good in people. It's about pu- pulling people together. And I think innately that curiosity helps me relate to other people that sort of creative, like, how can we work together? So I ended up on this path of being an account person kind of adjacent. And then when it was time to have a family, after I'd been a branding consultant for many years and did that, which was also fascinating to me, I was like, oh, I can't keep up this travel schedule. Okay. And I stopped working um, when I had our first daughter. We have two. And people were like, what? You're, you're not working, whatever. But then when it went time to kind of go back to work, there was this opportunity complete in travel and tourism, which I'd never worked in before. And it wasn't just like, oh, you're going to be the branding person. Oh, we want you to run this uh, tourism entity, basically. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, let me try this. I'll just interview and see what happens. And I ended up getting the role and I stayed there for almost 10 years. And I think, you know, what it taught me, obviously I, I was the CEO. So I had, I had to build a team. I had to do all the things, all the infrastructure, all of the operational things and, and strategic stuff as well. But As much as you can do things like that and you can do hard things and you can try hard things and you can learn from that, ultimately what happened was even though I was doing a great job and you can be great at something and be miserable, I was like farther and farther away from creative Amy. So I left after about 10 years. I consulted for a while with like organizations, tourism entities. But my last, I like to tell the story, my last thing that I did in that realm was an organizational audit. And it's as sexy as it sounds, right? So, it, you know, I, I did it and I did it well, but I'm like, there. that was my sort of, I can't do this anymore. And around the same time, this is when LinkedIn years ago was just starting to open up to the non-influencers, the non-LinkedIn influencers, the people that, you know, the titans of industry. And I'd been starting to write and I became friends with a, a writer that I had followed, admired. And he was like, Amy, you're a writer, you need to write, you need to do this. But it's scary, right? Even if you feel like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. But you, the thing is, you just have to start. So I did, and that's kind of brought me full circle now. And now when I say something like, I am a writer, I actually believe it, right? <laughs> yeah, whereas before I was like, Ugh. That is a very long-winded way, but you no, see, it's, it's a very non-linear path to where I, you know, kind of coming so, full circle. Yes. But listeners are going to hear that and go, okay. She did that. There's, there's the relatability. And I love what you said, you know, there's certain roles that we have and tasks within it that aren't sexy, like you said, Mm -hmm. but I love how you started it. You turned it on its head because I, I believe, and I talk a lot about life by design and I think you live it as well. I never want to be in the land of what if I this, what if I could, what a, what a could a shoulda. Right. And I, I feel that synergy with you too, but I also know that along your journey, and again, I feel very, very aligned. We just pack up all the transferable skills and yes. they're still, they're still present within creative Amy. So mm-hmm. it, it segues nicely into my next question. And we did not plan this. Hey. <laughs> so the next question is the one that is always going to have permanent residency on the show. And I've asked all my leaders, and we've we're a hundred plus now in season two. What imperfections does Amy bring to her heart-centered leadership? The the biggest imperfection that I held for the longest time was sort of those self-limiting beliefs. 
and that imposter syndrome and feeling like, well, who am I to think that I'm a writer or I'm talented or I'm creative? You know, it's one of those things like I'm very hesitant. Like I would never, I sort of bristle when someone self-appoints themselves, right? Like says, well, I'm a thought leader or I'm an influencer or I'm a ninja or I'm an ex, I'm a guru, all of those things. So I think there's a bit of like, you know, having this, the heart of a creative but never wanting to be boastful, never wanting to be, it's to me, it's not about me, but that imperfection, I think, is always feeling like I'm that little creative kid in the corner, the shy kid who's just, you know, writing stories and painting, you know, I'm not some big shot, I'm not, I'm just Amy, right? I'm just that, I think of myself in that way. So I think, you know, in terms of being imperfect, it's probably just, just kind of come reconcile my tendency to have imposter syndrome with the reality of like, no, Amy, you're a professional writer and people are paying you to do this. You know, I have confidence now and I've learned to accept that. But I think the imperfect part is just always feeling like, eh, I'm not perfect. I might not do the best job all the time, but I always will give it my all with folks. And um, I say this, I would say I will take progress over perfection any day. Me too. Amen. You know, my Irish Nana used to say, I hope you always have butterflies in your stomach before you give a talk Yeah, because it's your heart just giving you a little tug to make sure that confidence is there and that ego is not mm. along with it. Those are wise and, and words. You, and you do write, you do write with heart. Like, like I said, I, I have that Sunday morning coffee and I'm ready and, and I, and I feel it, like I feel it through your languaging and, and how you express yourself through your writing. And it's, it's really beautiful. You do inspire me in my pajamas every Sunday. Oh, that is so nice to hear. Thank you. You know, that's the highest compliment, you know, that I can receive. So oh, I, wanna, I, you're I, right I don't up take there. those lightly. I know you're right up there with Maria Shriver for me. So just know that. <laughs> now, I'm going to have to put that on my whiteboard that, you know, Deb said, <laughs> I, I love that you love turning things on their head. And I want to ask the question because I get asked this a lot and I think it's important to talk about it and share. Mm-hmm. We're entrepreneurs. We're solopreneurs. Yeah. Uh, we've been home. Yeah. I'm all about you. I'm, I'm team inspiration, creativity, but we do have our days where we dip. I call them dip days. Mm, yeah. What are your strategies when you fall off the wagon of inspiration and enthusiasm? What gets Amy back on? So usually um, I will physically get up and leave and go somewhere. You know, where I am right now is my tiny little home office where all the magic happens, right? But it's hard to find inspiration sometimes when, you know, when you say, okay, well, I'm a writer, so I do my writing on my laptop. I'm sitting in my office. But that is not inspiring to me. So the best ideas come to me when I'm not in this physical space. So, you know, I'll take my dog for a walk. I'll go to the park. I think getting outside, getting moving is always super helpful to me. I'll talk to a friend. I'll do anything but what I would consider sort of the classic creative thing to do. Because thinking about being creative doesn't make you creative. But just being out in the world and taking a shower I'll have ideas come to me, you know, because, and there is science behind that where you're just sort of letting go and your brain is like sort of exhaling, right? Just relaxing. So when I'm struggling, I don't try to force it. 
For me, quite often, I'm working on multiple things, client things, my own content at a time. So if I'm, if I'm working on something for a client and it's just not there, I'll take a break and I'll swap and I'll do either another client's thing or I'll work on something for myself. And that little, you know, going back and forth, I, I, I've learned not to push it because it just doesn't work. I think the other thing for me is just knowing when and how I work best um, and when I don't. So there is this, there's diminishing returns at later point in the day for me. So, um, you know, if we get to the, you know, three, four, five o'clock and I haven't started something that I'm like, you know what, Amy, I know you don't, don't even start it. Just get up earlier and tomorrow morning, you'll be fresh. You'll do this. And every single time. And I remind myself of that. It's hard because when you want to, but I want to get it done. Even if a client say, hasn't asked for it yet. It has it has some problem. I would rather over deliver and and get it to them sooner. But I know my brain isn't just there. It, it's not there. So it's time to just put it away. Stop. Stop working. Go for a walk. Get outside. Work. And I work out in the mornings. But this is like when I've been sitting here and I just physically need a break. Like I said, my dog loves it because he's like, oh, good. We're going for we're going to the park. Yay. You know, and and being out in nature and sunshine literally and 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 just, you know, the wind in my face, that's that's super helpful for me. What do you do? Well, it's very, very similar to you. I I walk, I do yoga, I've been riding my bike a lot. Uh, I went out on my bike yesterday and I went with the mindset that I was going to let my bike just lead. Ooh, yeah. And I rode almost 12 kilometers, which normally I do nine or 10. I did 12. And I just, like you said, it's like the exhale in the shower. I just took some deep breaths and I was watching the wind in the trees and listening Mm -hmm. to the birds and came up with three things that I needed to do for a client (laughs) and came home and thought, I looked at my, uh, my app on my phone and how far I had ridden in an hour and seven minutes. And I was like, wow. And I wasn't like clipping it. I was just in a really much like you, when you go with the dog, I was just in a really mindful space. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm just going to let it come. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I I, very similar strategy to you. I'm a big uh, nature lover. So Mm -hmm. I'm often out hugging trees. If I'm not running or walking, I'm riding my bike. Sometimes I just hop on my yoga mat. It depends. I, I, I allow flexibility. That's good. I, I think that's great because it sounds like you get into this flow state. Rather than force it, things just come. And I think, you know, it can be hard for people if you're like, no, 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 I need to control this. I need to do that. I've learned to just let go and trust, trust that it will come. And and it and it always does. It, it always, always does. does. <laughs> yeah. And I it's funny because I'll write things and like you talked about, I let go of the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, you haven't done one of these. I'm going to put it out there and see what it's like. I get great feedback. I just take it all in and I'm like, yeah. but I did it. Yeah. And I allow it to evolve because it's that relatability, that heart centered approach that people see mm-hmm. in your behavior, much like yeah. you do with your writing. Mm-hmm. So that's my last leadership question for you is, where did your, I know you were curious and I love the picture on your website of you with your tongue hanging out. My, I'd still do that. <laughs> my husband does that. Where did your love of words and language and writing come from? Was there a mentor, a special teacher? Cause I know there's a story here. I mean, like I said, I've always been the creative kid. So 
I think more than anything, because no one believes me when I say this to them when they meet me today, I was very shy, super shy. It, you know, the second born after my first born sister who was like doing cartwheels literally and had like all the brownie badges and like first in everything. So I think words in particular were a way to express what was going on inside my hyperactive brain that had so many ideas and things swirling through it. And and I think the other thing, it gave me a way to note the observations. I observed a lot and people fascinate me. And I think seeing how people move through the world, even as a child, I was like, hmm, okay, what's the, you know, in my head, I'd be like, oh, that's, they have a story there. They're this. I mean, I didn't articulate it that way as a child, but it was like, oh, that person's going to be a story, you know, person in my next story. There'll be a character. I'm going to turn the person in the grocery store into some, you know, crazy this or whatever. So my mom, still around, but I mean, she wasn't a writer, but she used to paint. And very much, I think that sort of creative nod, I was like, oh, okay. And she got my sister, the older sister and I into painting classes with a teacher. And, you know, what happened was my older sister, it's like the one thing that she's, she's like, this is stupid. I don't like it. We actually better than her. And not that it was a competition. I was never like, I never needed to be first. I just wanted to be me. And so she owned everything. It's like, I'm a... But it was one of the first times I was like, oh, so I kind of felt like my mom was an early inspiration for kind of pursuing creative stuff. But funnily enough, my dad is the one that really had the different career path as well. He's more the dreamer. He's more the figure it out as you go along, you know, sort of thing. So I I had my parents to thank for sort of doing that. There was no one writer per se, anybody when I was younger, but I think just the, the idea that especially being quiet, I was very hesitant to like speak up and be like a speaker and do debate as a kid. Writing everything gave me a way to capture it all, to be very expressive in my language. And when you found a turn of phrase that just perfectly encapsulated something, that was like, ooh, you know, like a little excitement. That's kind of being a word nerd, I guess. But I was like, oh. I'm a word nerd. I like that. I love words. But you kind of found your own. Exactly. And I think that's the thing too. Everybody finds their way eventually, or I hope they do. And sometimes it's just like you said, it's a circle back to who you always were. And if there's, there's one thing I love to tell people, cause I'm, I'm 53. I, it's not that I, you know, became a writer at 20 and you know, everything magically. It was later in life after I had a 30 plus year career doing other things, but all those things have a common thread. And I say, it's never too late to become, you know, who you were always meant to be. So I'm living proof of it. So anybody listening that is like, oh, I could never do that. I could not. Yes, you can. You just got to try. You just got to do it. You just got to start. Start. That's It's the hardest step, baby. It is. It is. It is. Okay. I'm going to switch to my fast fab four. First mm. question. Tell us something that we don't know about Amy. Well, you might know because you've looked at my website. Well, you know that I stick my tongue out when I'm super concentrated in the creative zone when I'm writing. It just happens naturally. I can't snap with my left hand. That's also on my website. I've never learned how. Um, What else? I have two things in common with you. We both love whiteboards and post-it notes. Oh, yes. And the Pilot G2.07 blue pens. Yes. Is that your pen? (laughs) It's my favorite pen and a yellow lined pad when I'm creating. 
Ooh, okay. I have I have the white line pads, but same. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, second question. Is there a favorite quote that has really resonated with you and that you've engraved kind of in your life and on your heart? And what is it? And how did it impact you? What is the why behind it? Okay. So there's one, there's a quote that I, I literally have pasted up, you know, taped on my office wall. And I've talked about this before. So in my previous life, when I was in travel and tourism, I was at a conference and there was a speaker. His name is Sasha Strauss. He's on LinkedIn. And he was talking about branding. He was talking about more destination branding, but he said something that instantly resonated with me so much so that I sketched him and I wrote the quote and I still have it to this day yellowed taped up on my own. This is like decades ago, but it is, you are something specific to a special few. And that idea, he was talking about branding in a sense of like place branding, but if you apply it to personal branding, if you apply it to your work, what you do, how you offer your services, your niche, you know, people make the mistake of, I have to be all things to all people. But when you're something specific to a special few, you know that it's okay to let the ones that aren't your tribe, aren't your people that can fall by the wayside. I will say, you know, in all transparency, it's extremely difficult to do if you are a sensitive person and you naturally would like people to like you, which most of us do, but there will always be people that just don't get you. They're, they're not never going to get you. Don't waste your time trying to convince the people who don't believe in you. Speak to the ones that already get your value and, 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 and that is who your core audience is. And that is who you should really focus on. So I have that on my wall as a reminder to myself. As I said, everything I write about, I don't know if this is a secret or not, but every article, every piece of content that I create, it's something that I needed to hear and I needed to be reinforced first. And I figured if it's something that was helpful to me, I'm hoping it's helpful to at least one other person. And that is a huge one for me. Uh, and it's just, it's just another extension of you just exuding heart-centered leadership. I love that. <laughs> I lo and I feel that in some of your writing, I, I, I often think, I wonder if this is something she has just done or she needed to hear, or so you, you've just answered that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Always. Always. Yeah, people say, how do you write about all these different things? I'm like, um, I'm living it. Something happened in my world and I needed to, you know, write about it. No, I love it. I, really, I love the way you craft and how you frame it every week. Okay. I know you like to travel. So third mm -hmm. question, where is your favorite place on earth? Oh my gosh. Oh, we've, we've been fortunate enough to travel so many places. Well, I will tell you this, as much as I love, you know, going to cities and seeing different things. There's something about water and being near water that's very special and soothing and just rejuvenating to me. So um, my husband and I, we've been to Capri. So island, Italian island is just fantastic and beautiful. Um, in terms of like that turquoise water, Bora Bora, uh, the South Pacific, we've been to Aitutaki and the Cook Islands, which are lesser known, but just fantastic in terms of like, you know, you think about what they would show on TV or a movie as, oh, here's paradise. And it's just that like oh, the soft sand and everything. Gosh, we went to Australia, which we hadn't been to before in Sydney and the, you know, all different places um, in Europe. Uh, we've been throughout Italy. We've been to Spain. We've been to Germany. We've been to Portugal. We are going to be going to Costa Rica, if all goes well. Oh, oh and the Croatian, uh, the Dalmatian Islands, which are part of Croatia, we've sailed twice 
on a small catamaran. And that's a fantastic way to get a different sense and visit different places that you normally wouldn't have access to. So again, there's that common theme of water. <laughs> you and I, I, I'm a big water person and uh, we boat in the summer every weekend. And yeah. I, you will love Costa Rica. It is yeah. one of my favorite places. It's the first time I had exposure to the Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you will really, really love it. So that's exciting. Mm. Okay. My last question is without thinking, is there one article? Because I know you've written thousands that really has stood out. It's on your heart. It's engraved. It's your favorite. It's one of the ones that you feel the most proud of. Yes. And it's not really a business one. It's something I wrote long ago, I want to say for, I don't know if it was for Thrive Global or something. And I, I have it also, I think, on my LinkedIn profile. It had to do with travel and, and, and family and, and you know some of the things most important to me, relationships. And it started out, as some do, with a personal recollection of just, you know, when, when I was growing up, my, my maiden name is Domino. Um, I'm Sicilian, as it turns out. My dad, growing up, would say, well, Italian permeates the system. Like this is, he's very proud of that, even though he was only half, he is only half Italian, but he's like, it permeates the system. So I grew up with this sort of pride of like, oh my gosh, okay, well, aren't we lucky and everything, even though my mom is like Irish and German and whatever, you know, it wasn't about that. But what was really important um, growing up to my father and to my mother as well was this idea of family. And, you know, so I took one of those DNA tests, Ancestry.com or something to find out, well, how Italian am I? (laughs) And I found out things. And not surprisingly, because I'm Sicilian, if you know where Sicily is off the coast, kind of the toe of the boot, it's had many different influences. So Roman, Greek, African, Norm, all these different things. So as it turns out, shockingly, I'm sort of a mutt and a mix. But the way that I interpreted that was that I have family family, air quotes, all over the world. And sort of to me, the bigger message was it was it's not where you're from, it's what you do with who you are that matters most. So that was that's the art, long article, uh, long title of that article. Um, but that really speaks to who I am, my upbringing, and kind of centrally who I am as a person that it's really more about relationships and what you do not about, oh, I'm I, a label of I'm Italian or I'm an American, I'm this or that. Who cares? You know, we're all part of kind of this greater family, and that's really what matters most. Well, that's special. And I I knew there'd be one that would pop out right away when when you ask Mm -hmm. any artist of any medium a question (laughs) like that. So I am so grateful that you took time today to have a meaningful conversation and and share your heart. And I just want to reiterate uh, how much I enjoy reading your content and I can feel the love and heart-centered approach behind it and uh, know that I'm with you every Sunday reading uh, your newsletter. So we're going to put all of Amy's details below in the podcast episode description. And thanks for sharing your heart with me today. Thank you for having me, Deb. I appreciate it. It's been fun. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.